The use of cloud technology across the broader economy and the financial sector has been growing rapidly in recent years, and the benefits and risks of cloud adoption are keenly debated. However, that is often done through the lens of technology requirements rather than business requirements. Therefore, in this podcast episode, we will be looking at cloud adoption through the lens of firms' business models and the wider benefits it can provide firms, such as optimizing existing services and delivering return on investments. Things that, if done correctly, can accelerate business change and innovation. Welcome to the future of finance. You're listening to the Future of Finance podcast by UK Finance, a series exploring the latest trends in financial services, how they're changing and how firms can equip themselves to face the challenges of tomorrow. Hello, and thank you for joining me for the next in our series of podcasts focusing on the future of finance. My name is Ian Burgess. I am the Director of Cyber and Third Party Risk at UK Finance, and I'm delighted to be joined by Marcus Martinez from Microsoft and Nick Merriman from Avenard. Firstly, Marcus, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, hi, Ian. Uh, thanks for having me. So I'm Marcus Martinez, the Financial Services Industry Manager for EMEA at Microsoft, and my primary focus is on uh, banking, uh, payments and risk management. So glad to be here. Thanks, Marcus, and uh, great to have you. Nick, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, of course. And likewise, great to be here and Happy New Year to, to everyone. My name's Nick Merriman. I'm the uh, Financial Services Advisory Lead for Avenard across Europe, focusing on capital markets and uh, banking. Uh, really focused on the adoption of Microsoft technologies and how that's utilised in uh, financial services. Great stuff. Thanks, Marcus. And, and thanks, Nick. Thanks for joining me. Talking about cloud adoption and um, you know, through that, that lens of, of business change, I'm really interested. And Marcus, I'll turn to you first. How can cloud adoption be used for the implementation of new capabilities within an organization? I think uh, cloud is one of the uh, most fundamental enablers for uh, the financial services industry going forward. So the UK, I think it's a great example where, you know, open banking, uh, it's uh, increasing in adoption and literally uh, driving the industry to be more interoperable. So the advent of standards for APIs, for data models, all these things are putting a pressure on banks to re- rethink the position they have in the market because effectively open banking is divorcing distribution from production. So banks no longer have the, let's say, the control of the entire value chain. So cloud is one of the key, let's say, enablers for banks to um, reimagine their business models going forward and pretty much cope with the demands of you know, the customer of the future around um, new financial services, connectivity with other lifestyle providers. So yeah, the cloud is effectively is one of the the key milestones, I believe, for the financial services industry. Absolutely. Thanks, Marcus. And and Nick, turning to you, what are your thoughts on that cloud adoption and new capabilities for organisations? Well, it's clear over the last two years just how much disruption and change uh, we've seen. People have moved to uh, new ways of living, new ways of working. Um, I never thought I'd see the day, for instance, where my parents were doing online shopping. And to do that and deliver that, it's it's all about organisations having the ability to change and deliver into a market quickly. And for many years, I think financial services, particularly banking, 
kind of didn't have that catalyst uh, for change, but we're certainly seeing it now. And I think uh, it's about that agility. It's about that speed of market that's fundamental now to the way organizations, particularly in financial services, need to react to the changing world uh, we live in. Uh, people expect decisions quicker. Um, they expect organizations to understand them better. They expect their their data to flow both within that organization and externally, as, as Markov said, with um, third parties, as we look at the advent of um, open banking and, and other such initiatives. So for me, cloud adoption is, as we alluded to a few minutes ago, really fundamental to the needs of, of financial services organizations and how they can deliver with agility, how they can deliver with speed and how they can deliver innovation into the market, something that customers and consumers are, are very much um, expecting now. It's, it's, it's not a differentiator. They're expecting this kind of capability that's really been driven significantly over the two years of, of, of what we've seen with, um, with, the, with the pandemic and the like. Yeah, if I, if I can just add to that, I, I couldn't agree more. But one, one additional point I think I would like to make, it's around the operational bandwidth that cloud provides to banks. Because historically, technology was an expensive investment and uh, would make sense at that time to make that you know, innovation in-house. But today, because of the complexity of the technology and the complexity of the legacy, that most banks are facing. Uh, this is becoming almost like a distraction where it's consuming you know, human and financial resources. And um, when you think about the cloud, I think it's one of the key aspects that needs to be considered because adopting the cloud, you effectively, you outsource all these operational workloads to a third party like Microsoft, where we do have this as our core business and we are much better positioned to to handle the, you know, the the workloads of the future. So I think that's, that's one aspect I'd like to add as well. Thanks, Marcus. And um, also thanks, Nick. And and I think uh, the point that really resonated there for me was was that sort of ability to provide you know, any type of services. You know, I, I think, um, Nick, as you highlighted, customers demand those services. They demand them 24-7 and they demand a variety of services. But I just want to turn on now to um, look at from, from both of your experiences, uh, and um, Nick, I think I'll probably come to you first, really interested in what areas where, where are firms trying to deliver optimum services, but this cannot be done without a form of cloud utilization, uh, and interested in your view on what sort of considerations are necessary when firms go through that process. Yeah, I think two great questions there. To answer it, I'd really look at across four aspects that I have experienced in and that I've seen from my time working in uh, in the industry. If I look at those four areas of business growth, risk and regulatory, cost reduction and, and operations, you know, they've been mainstays, if you like, of how an organisation does business and, and the reason they do business. But I think what's changed in terms of the dynamic is just how fast organizations have to respond. You know, business growth now is expected to happen instantaneously. Decisions, reporting, managing risk, again, speed of light, the attack vectors are, are very different. You know, you look at the way organizations are responding to, to cybercrime, et cetera, it's much more sophisticated. 
And that really then plays into the need to adopt technology like cloud computing that allows them to respond, to deliver faster decisions, to deliver personal and personalized offers to drive business growth, the ability to process data, uh, to drive personalization, to improve the operations of, of an organization, you know, utilizing the capabilities that the large providers like Microsoft really provide. So I think those are the key areas that, that I look at. And in terms of those considerations, it's really trying to understand understand what an organization's roadmap is in those areas and understanding how they're delivering on their innovation, how they're delivering on their security, how they're um, delivering on their, their overall resilience. And that, that's key to really understanding what those cloud providers are delivering. I read a, an interesting article this morning, actually, around why sometimes cloud adoption um, doesn't go as quickly as organizations want. And that's often because we try and reinvent the wheel based on our existing orthodoxies. And I think key for this is, as someone said in this article, is really to enjoy the ride, really to understand that these big cloud providers like Microsoft are really bringing that innovation, that focus on security, that focus on resilience that organizations can really take advantage of to deliver the business growth I talked about, the risk and regulatory areas that, that need to be responded to quickly, as well as driving down costs and improving operations. Thanks, Nick. And turning to you, Marcus, what do you want to add in terms of what you're seeing in terms of firms trying to deliver those optimum services and they just can't do it without using the cloud? Yeah, no, I think the points raised really resonate with me. I would probably add two additional points. One is around risk management. So I think the point I made earlier about the increasing complexity on, on the industry, I think that one of the consequences of that is that the the traditional you know, risk management frameworks that banks adopt uh, cannot really handle the complexity. When I say complexity, I mean, you know, the number of variables and inputs you have to consider. So if if you try today to manage and to make sense of that, you do really need you no know, powerful, uh, you no know, grid computing, you know, very advanced AI models. And there's nothing wrong with you no know, building that yourself. Uh, the reason is this is uh, not really economically uh, viable. Doesn't doesn't make economic sense for you to build that when you have you know cloud service providers like Microsoft where we can provide this at scale. So I think that's the first point. You no, know, the, the 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 nature of risk today it, it's really cannot be handled properly with the traditional you know, risk models. I think a, a great example is the pandemic. Right? Who could uh, embed the, the possibility of the probability of a pandemic in their risk models um, that wasn't considered. Um, and I think the other aspect, um, it's, um, it's around customer experience, because traditionally, when we think about banking and financial services, we think about the traditional uh, customer segments. But today, given that the customer expectation is being shaped by other digital service providers, regardless of the industry sector, uh, from retailers, auto manufacturers, uh, pharma. So the customers, they expect banking to understand their context. And I think that's the point uh, you know, raised earlier about you know, real-time analytics. So the only way, uh, the only, let's say, economically viable way to get this kind of uh, real-time insights is to have 
you know, large-scale uh, computing uh, analytics capability. So I think this is another area where cloud computing is becoming very relevant, given this you know, capability to banks to figure out exactly what's the customer intent in that transaction, and then using that context to provide the best possible service. Um, so these, for me, are the two, let's say, uh, hot topics at the moment in the, in the cloud adoption discussion. Yeah, and I, I really couldn't agree more with that. You know, it's it's that ability to really provide the infrastructure and services to allow organizations to deliver the expected interactions with their with their customers, you know, rapid time to decisions. And this is something, you know, that the fintechs and the neobanks are doing really, really well, because they don't have those existing orthodoxies. They don't have those brownfield sites, uh, for, for want of a better phrase, that they're having to, to manage. And those neobanks are driving customers' expectations, along with the, the sort of mega retailers that, uh, that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. Thanks both. I think there's some really good points you've raised there. And, and that sort of leads me on to my next question. And Marcus, I'm going to going to turn back to you and and I think what you were saying about sort of like that, that customer expectation and the, the the economics behind things it really resonated and, and that my next question therefore is about return on investment and how yeah how can cloud adoption support return on investment clearly firms need that return on investment or else those you know they need a positive one to ensure those you know those decisions get made and uh, the the more positive the return then then clearly the more likely the return the investment is going to be so could you just help our listeners sort of understand how cloud adoption can support and deliver on a return on investment yeah of course i think there are multiple angles for this answer i think the the first one i think it's around enabling uh, banks to make better better decisions is when you have a, a cloud infrastructure in place, your capacity to ingest data from multiple sources is multiplied by you know, 10x easily. And I don't mean only the traditional sources of data. I'm also talking about, for example, being able to ingest unstructured data and make sense of that. So with this ability, you can uh, make better decisions and that will drive as a, as a result better results and better return on investment. The other aspect is when you have a cloud infrastructure in place, several costs that used to be a capital expenditure, it becomes just an operational expenditure because you, it almost you eliminates idle capacity in your infrastructure. So you use, you, you pay exactly for what you're using and you have also the flexibility to decide when you use that. So for example, there are workloads that would be cheaper if you run on a specific time and you can have you no know, to total control in terms of when and how you want to use it. So that's another aspect of you know, uh, driving return on investment because you give the bank full control in terms of to what degree they want to, to, to use the infrastructure, which is not necessarily true if you have a you know, proprietary uh, data center because that's a it's a capital that has been invested and uh, you can model uh, the utilization of that you know, infrastructure, but it, it's not a flexible arrangement. So I think that's, that's one aspect. And, and, and the third one, if I may, it's around the better utilization of um, you know, the, the, the technology talent in, in the organization. 
because I saw a research recently from uh, Stripe, that payments API, saying that um, over 60% of the time, in on average, developers are, are basically fixing code. And uh, uh, the question is, just think about the the impact you would have if you could eliminate the need for developers to, you know, maintain uh, the in-house infrastructure, things that could be done uh, in bulk. So I think that's the third aspect is about unleashing that kind of potential in the technology talent space where developers can think about uh, better ways to serve the customer rather than trying to fix or to overcome natural you know, legacy uh, issues. So I think these are the probably the three areas I see that cloud can definitely help uh, banks to to drive more return on, on the investment. Thanks, Marcus. And, and uh, Nick, over to you. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, it becomes no surprise that I, I kind of agree uh, with what, what Marcus has, has said, but there's, there's areas I really want to sort of focus on, and that's specifically around... Um, yeah, for many years to drive innovation took big investment by organizations. That's changed with cloud and now it's much easier for them to, to fail fast and, and to do that innovation and, and to try new things and deliver new capabilities. That's something I've seen a lot in financial services more recently as the technology has been more commoditized and democratized for organizations. It's enabled them to deliver innovation and new capabilities to customers that have been very difficult um, to do previously with massive upfront um, investment. So I think that's a key aspect for me is that ability really to, to, to fail fast and demonstrate what can be delivered to really provide the the services and expectations of, of customers uh, moving forward, whether that be um, sort of making faster decisions, whether it be about understanding what the customer needs, whether that be around um, really sort of delivering new personalized offers and, and the like. That's, that's an incredible opportunity that I'm seeing more of in, in financial services. Thanks, Nick. And also thank you, Marcus. Um, I think it's really well understood within technology departments, the benefits which cloud adoption can provide to firms. But I think maybe an area which isn't as well understood is those you know, sort of senior stakeholders within organizations. And, and do, do they really understand the full benefits? So I'd like to turn to Marcus, let's come to you first again. What are your views on, on the importance of Yes, the importance of senior level communication, but you know how that can be done and how that we can get the utility of cloud onto the business agenda and do that effectively in a way which drives uh, the adoption and therefore drives business growth. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are probably reaching a, a inflection point in the industry. I think historically we have seen technology being uh, almost like a back office function and. The, the trend today is that this, there is a, there's a blurry line that d- divides business and technology. So I think there's a degree of technology literacy that is missing at the board level. And I think there's an opportunity here to um, rethink you know, the, the, the place technology occupies in the organization. And one of the things that I think is driving this change quite heavily is the open banking adoption. So when you think about open banking, you're really thinking about 
how the financial service institution can integrate with other sectors of the economy. And the key connection point, and I, I appreciate that this might sound a little bit technical, is the what they call the API. So the point where you really exchange data between the bank and other fintechs or eventually other organizations. And this is exactly what's driving change in the industry. Because when you think about, as Nick mentioned earlier, all the fintechs that are emerging in this space, uh, their business model is pretty much an API, right? For example, Stripe, one of the largest payments processors on the planet. That's their business model, is a payment API. And uh, when you think about an API as a product, uh, you really need to think about, you know, how this product will evolve over time, how you will maintain this product, how you test, how you listen to the customer feedback on this product. And the cloud is effectively is the foundation that allows these new, let's say, dynamics to emerge. And I think that's one of the points where the industry is really I mean, I mean, mainly the incumbents are not really engaged. I think they're running open banking more from a regulatory perspective. And I think they're missing the, the opportunity to think about, okay, how can I leverage, you know, all these fintechs uh, offering very niche solutions and complement my portfolio of services. So I think that's one of the areas where we'll see a lot of you know, change in the, in the near future but also a lot of challenge because it's really um, challenging the status quo. Uh, The business model, as I said before, that we are used to is where your banking license give you control over the entire value chain from the moment that you create a product to the moment that you sell that product. Uh, Open banking breaks down these uh, value chain pieces and banks will have to think strategically about, okay, what part of this value chain I want to, you know, uh, occupy, because you could be um, facing the customer, and that's great because you keep, you know, the brand engagement, but you could be also um, uh, on the background uh, providing an infrastructure for fintechs. For example, Clear Bank is one of our, you know, uh, customers that are doing exactly that. They are giving the infrastructure for new organizations to become banks um, and I think it's a it's a massive change because it changes the competition landscape so suddenly banks are no longer competing with other banks they're competing with any digital service provider so what happens if tomorrow suppose uh, you know Facebook wants to offer financial services what do you do about it because that's something that would drive a shift in the market and these things are no longer, let's say, just a possibility, right? You have all the market infrastructure in place to enable these things to happen um, in, in, in jurisdictions that are adopting open banking, like the UK, Canada, Australia, Singapore. I think it's a, it's a discussion that it goes beyond technology. It, 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 it's about integration with other economic sectors. It's about understanding what customers expect from financial services. And also it's about you know, where you will compete in the future because you cannot, you know, as, a, as an incumbent, you can no longer be everything to everyone. You, you really need to be specific in terms of the value you want to provide to customers. So probably a, a long answer, but <laughs> I would stop here. Thanks, Marcus. That's, that's very, 
Very helpful. <clears throat> Nick, just turning to you, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on you know, how, how do we effectively extend that communication outside of technology and, and get the buy-in of those senior level stakeholders for the cloud adoption, which we know firms need? For me, it's about demonstrating um, value. Uh, Marcus talked about open banking and, and the new business models that can be developed there. I'm long in the tooth to some degree, and I, I, I look at it and think, Back to my days of, of working inside banks and trying to deliver innovation, as I mentioned earlier. And often, you know, IT was seen as a, as a cost center. There was big upfront costs. Why are we looking to do this? What, what business benefit will it, it drive? It was very difficult to demonstrate that value quickly. Now, over the past 10 years or so, uh, maybe more, we've started to see CIOs and others move onto the board and, and to the point now where IT is not just a cost center, it's quite the opposite, right? It's the business enabler. Many of these organizations, as Marcus alluded to, with particularly some of the payments organizations and the fintechs, you know, IT is is the business. It's it, They're inextricably linked. So I think it's about how... Um, you use these technologies to really demonstrate um, value and capability quickly. So using that example of open banking, you know, I look at some of the experiences I had in my times in organizations working with CIOs as, as a CTO and starting to talk about the opportunity to deliver some of these new capabilities. But the upfront cost to, to prove the model was often prohibitive. And, and I think what we see with with the cloud is that ability to do things rapidly and to demonstrate the value very quickly. And organizations that are successful uh, with the cloud kind of, as I said earlier, enjoy the ride. They, they, they trust the experts to deliver the raw capability, but then they're able to innovate and develop new business propositions very quickly. And that means that IT is able to move out of traditional IT boundaries into business boundaries and develop capabilities like open banking, which are already proving to be um, significantly beneficial. But if you add into that the ability to personalize, the ability to understand what the customer wants through things like intent analysis and, and sentiment analysis and all those great things, we can demonstrate that value very quickly. And it's that sort of constant feedback loop effectively that I think is important to bring bring the business and and I kind of hate to use that term business and IT, but it helps helps the broader community understand understand that value. And I think um, Marcus mentioned it earlier that IT literacy is is at a point now where there isn't really a separation between business and IT. It is it is one homogeneous entity where we're using technology to really drive the capabilities inside financial institutions to deliver the services customers are expecting. And that's really enabling anyone to deliver these capabilities, um, whether it be a, a startup like Stripe or, or indeed uh, new incumbents or new organizations that we haven't even heard of uh, as yet. 
Great. Thanks, Nick. And thanks, Marcus, before that. I think to, to change things around, Nick, I'm going to come to you first on this question. And the question is, it's another hot topic item, which is it's often discussed in finance sectors these days, and that's operational resilience and business continuity. So, Nick, turning to you first, could you just give me a, your take on uh, how cloud can be compared to other services that firms use when it comes to business continuity and operational resilience requirements? Are there any differences? Is there any sort of special considerations that firms should be taking? I think that's a really great question. And and often, um, in my experience, the, the focus has been on the ability for the cloud provider to provide resilient infrastructure, um, to provide that business continuity. There's a common theme, I think, in, in this podcast for me, which is how cloud adoption really changes the narrative to some some degree. In the past, it was very easy for organizations to literally kick the servers and make sure they were they were alive. But actually, that ability came at great cost. And to keep things up to date, uh, keep them resilient, keep them able to support the business takes a lot of investment in terms of the teams and, and services you need inside your your own organization. I won't mention names, but there's organizations that I've worked for and with whereby it was very difficult to get the investment needed to upgrade some of the core infrastructure because it wasn't necessarily delivering what one could arguably call business benefit. And we've certainly seen um, in the past few years with some of the outages in, in major organizations, the result of that lack of investment. So to answer your question, I think the same considerations as organizations have now, you know, what is an organization's approach to operational resilience? What is its approach to business continuity? What is its approach to security? But also, as I as I kind of spoke about it earlier, really in, enjoy the ride, enjoy the investment that organizations like Microsoft and others are putting into their cloud um, infrastructure and services and really exploit the benefits of that to deliver those new services and new capabilities. Um, it's a continual investment to keep platforms evergreen. Microsoft and the other big cloud providers are investing millions, if not billions of dollars in that investment to keep those platforms current. That is something that is going to be increasingly difficult for existing sort of uh, traditional organizations uh, to keep pace with. But that doesn't mean everything should be handed over to those cloud providers. We see, and I've certainly seen new roles for you know, strong vendor management uh, within organizations, uh, people who really understand how these cloud providers operate and what best practice looks like and build very strong relationships. Same from a security angle. So, so for me, it's around how organizations can exploit and really take advantage of the investments these cloud providers are making to deliver the new services and capabilities that customers and consumers are expecting, whilst not having to do that large, continual upfront investment to make sure those platforms stay current, stay secure and stay relevant. But as I say, the key thing there is making sure 
that those organizations, the banks, the financial services organizations have the capability in-house to keep pace with those cloud providers, to understand what they're doing and make sure that their processes are built into that. Thanks, Nick. And Marcus, turning to you, anything you'd like to add on those operational resilience requirements and considerations for firms when using the cloud? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you talk about operational resilience, I think the key aspect is how the organization will manage, you know, the you know its business processes, and I think that's one of the areas where, uh, you know, as as Nick said, is the cloud is not necessarily the answer uh, because sometimes a specific business process you have is the source of your competitive advantage. So you you want to keep that in house, but I think that the, the challenge is um, when you have a business process in place first what degree of you know automation it um, you know it uh, has because uh, as we know depending on the process you may have so many uh, manual interventions that this creates a you know creates a unnecessary risk and also uh, where the data that feeds that process will reside so that's another aspect so do you have you no know, control of the data that will feed that process and allow that process to run properly. And that's one of the, you know, areas where the PRA and the FCA are really, you know, uh, focusing right now, because it's okay if you have your process in house and it's, if it's not automated, but the question that you know, most banks will have to answer by end of March this year is okay. What's your appetite for failure and what measures you have in place? to make sure that you can handle any of these, let's say, uh, operational issues. And that's where cloud might be a compelling proposition because it gives you that agility to manage um, you know, different business processes and focus on how to make it better, more customer-centric, rather than trying to um, you know, make sure that the process is integrated with, the, you know, with other legacy, legacy applications. And one of the things that I believe it's the might be a a critical element of this operational resilience is the is 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 to adopt a common data model. So today, when you think about any attribute in a bank, be let's say a product, a client, a risk, there is no uh, commonality in terms of the you no know, the data that you no know, that feeds that kind of concept. So uh, adopting a common data model, I think that would be an important approach if banks want to be operationally uh, resilient and be able to manage uh, risks when they crystallize. So yeah, I think that would be my my perspective. And and, and just just building on that and, and what I said earlier, I think this is an important point. If I if I look at some of the research that that we've done. Uh, and and some of the feedback I've seen, something like uh, on average, only eight percent of banks' workloads have, uh, on average, have migrated in, into the cloud, and a lot of those sit in what I would call enterprise workloads rather than in um, sort of core banking or data and analytics or even sort of some of the customer services. And I believe a lot of that is because um, many of, of sort of the operational orthodoxies have, have held organizations back. You know, many organizations, banks included, think they're special, they're different to every other bank, so they need special needs. 
But actually, you know, I, I dispute that um, to, to some extent um, from, from my experience. And actually, organisations, as I said earlier, have almost got to start to trust the investments these large cloud providers are delivering to them. Clearly, they should do it with their eyes wide open and work with those vendors to understand their roadmaps, understand where those investments are happening. But really, as I said earlier, look at how they can exploit that rather than trying to to reinvent the wheel, because that takes a, a lot of money, a lot of time. And that goes back to some of the questions we've talked about earlier around, you know, how how the business perceives um, some of its investments, because that comes with high costs and and very often those costs aren't justified because we can get those services from from the cloud providers and deliver the innovation um, and customer expectations on the top of that. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And one aspect I forgot to mention earlier, it's about engagement with regulators. So that's one of the things that we started almost 10 years ago. Uh, running these uh, annual sessions with uh, regulators globally to understand what they expect from uh, cloud service providers, what they are demanding for you know from banks in terms of operational re resilience. So as a cloud provider, we don't see ourselves just on the technology side. We are also you know, heavily engaged with regulators to understand what they expect from us. And the idea is to give this reassurance to our customers that we see ourselves as a, as a critical partner, a critical business partner that understands the regulatory requirements that are in place and the ones that are being shaped by this you know, new regulatory agenda. Great. Thanks both. That's that's really the end of all the formal questions I've got for you. I, I will turn to, to each of you in a second and just ask for your, your final points, your, your maybe your, your one line key statement when it comes to cloud adoption. Certainly from my perspective, I think uh, the, the point that I've really gathered from, from this discussion has been that, you know, to drive business innovation, to drive business growth, you need an integrated technology requirements policy alongside that. And cloud is, is, should absolutely be a key and fundamental part of that. Clearly, a lot of considerations should go into that. But if you're not considering the cloud or, or using it already, then there's probably something which you should be thinking about that in a bit more detail. So before we wrap up, I'll turn to, to Nick. Any last points you'd like to, to raise? I guess you've summarised quite well from my perspective. Just adding one point to that or, or sort of elaborating on that point, you know, from my perspective, cloud is now a, a, a business imperative. It's, it's not something that's a if you like, a, a nice to have or a consideration. It's fundamental to how organizations will deliver new business services, new innovation, new agility that customers are, are demanding. I, I would actually probably say it's it's too late if organizations aren't seriously in the creation and delivery of a strategy around cloud. And aligned to that is really making sure that you know they enjoy enjoy the journey because it's 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 going to be fundamental to to how they deliver benefit and growth for their business and their industry going forward. Thanks, Nick. And, and arguably, if you're not enjoying the journey, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard hard journey to, to go on. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Marcus. Any last words from you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks, Jim. So I think um, my my reflection is that this is not something new. I think uh, our industry has been through this process uh, multiple times. 
So a uh, hundred years ago, if you think about who would use checks, that will be only for the high net worth individuals. And checks today is pretty much, you know, everybody can use it. Of course, it's, it's a payment method that's dying. But anyway, so 20 years ago was the internet, the website. And I remember banks asking the question, why a bank would ever need a website, right? And, and today we do understand how that is important. And I think we are having exactly the same process with clouds and API. So all banks are asking, okay, why we have, we need an API or why we need to go to the cloud. And to me, it's just uh, a third interaction over the last hundred years that is happening again. And uh, there's a certainty, at least from my perspective, that this is, this is a, a trend that you cannot you know, really uh, run away from. And the other aspect is uh, when you think about financial services, this is something that is useful for us no practitioners of the industry, but for the customer, they don't really make any distinction between industry sectors. What they care about is an integrated experience, pretty much like when you use a Uber, uh, you don't really think about you know, the payment that goes behind the geolocation, all the, that stuff. You just want to get from point H, point B. All the orchestration that happens in the background is, is really should be invisible to the customer and provide a delightful you know, experience. And to me, that's the direction of travel for financial services. So you need to think about how your proposition is integrated with other lifestyle services and other corporate services. But this, this distinction we usually we make in terms of financial services usually is not really relevant for the customer. And I think we need to think about, and to me, the cloud will be effectively the foundation that will allow this uh, matchmaking process happen between financial services and other other industries. Great, right, thank you, Marcus, and, and also thank you, Nick. Um, that's been a really fascinating discussion. I really appreciate both of you joining me today to, to talk about this topic. And thank you, the audience, for listening. We'd love to hear from our audience on what topics we should focus on next, so please do get in touch if you do have anything you'd like us to work on. Thank you, and goodbye from me. Thanks for listening to the UK Finance Future of Finance podcast. For more information, please visit ukfinance.org.uk forward slash podcasts.